At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is James Eichner of Sauna Packaging, who will join me in about one minute. America has helped to introduce a disposable throwaway culture to the world, and we're seeing our planet pay a potentially catastrophic environmental price for our convenience-based single-use habits. The central cause for this environmental scourge is plastic, which was touted in the previous century as a wondrous and durable man-made substance that could revolutionize the human experience by replacing other rare, more costly, and or time-consuming materials. Plastic can be poured into virtually any mold, making it tremendously versatile for manufacturing. Plastics are generally created from natural, organic materials such as plant cellulose, coal, natural gas, sand, salt, and of course, crude oil. Currently, the U.S. plastics industry accounts for about 10% of America's total oil consumption. Food items and other goods are increasingly packaged in plastic, and the substance is used to manufacture more products than could be listed in the duration of this show. The accumulation and fragmentation of plastics, combined with the sheer number of discarded plastic items, has become an increasing environmental concern as microparticles of broken down plastics are littering our oceans and beaches and are even showing up in the Antarctic and in the belly of fish. Bioplastics, which break down in the environment, are touted as a better alternative. 
Well, initially, the introduction of bioplastics took a while due to higher production costs and issues with heat resistance and durability. Improved technologies and formulas combined with fluctuating oil prices are contributing to a growing commercial market for alternatives to traditional plastics. And Americans who routinely purchase retail cannabis products from state legal recreational stores know that the packaging of cannabis is dominated by single-use plastics. Dube tubes and canna packaging can now be found on sidewalks and at bus stops, along with beer cans and empty cigarette packs, increasing the looming specter of the earth as one big round plastics landfill. But my guest today is working to change all of that. James Eichner is the co-founder and CSO of Sauna Packaging. He earned a BA in English from Colorado College and an MBA in sustainability, entrepreneurship, and finance from the University of Colorado Boulder. James has worked with startups in the publishing industry and the music industry. He's also worked with nonprofits and consulted for startups in the social and environmental justice sectors. And he's joined me today to touch on these important issues. Welcome, James, to Cannabis Radio. Thanks for having me. Um, I just want to say real quick, that was a really fabulous introduction and rundown of uh, plastics there. Couldn't have done it better myself. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to tell us even more. Uh, Let's start off with you telling us about your company. What products do you sell? Who makes them and who buys them? Absolutely. So it's on a packaging. We design and develop differentiated, sustainable and compliant packaging solutions for the cannabis industry using 100% plant-based hemp plastic and other sustainable materials. Um, Sort of our founding mantra is we believe packaging should be regenerative and help heal the environment throughout its life cycle. So looking at specifically the products that we're making right now, we launched over the course of the summer with about 20 pilot customers and our first two products are a pre-roll tube, uh, also known as a dube tube, as well as a container, uh, versatile child-resistant box that can be used for flowers, edibles, concentrates, and so forth. And our customers, we have a lot of different customer buckets, um, different permutations of them, depending on state regulations and where packaging happens along the cannabis supply chain. So, for instance, in California, we would only have a dispensary client if they're a vertically integrated company because in California, all products have to arrive at a dispensary prepackaged. Whereas in other states like Colorado, the packaging can kind of happen at any point along the supply chain. James, some biodegradable plastic is made from bio-based products like plant and food waste, while others are derived from synthetic polyesters and other non-bio-based feedstock. You said that yours are plant-based. What plants do you use as source materials in your products at sauna packaging? So our flagship formulation is a fiber-reinforced biocomposite made from corn PLA and microtized hemp herd. And our formulation is 30% hemp and 70% corn PLA. And as we continue to refine our formulations and our technology, we hope to continue increasing the amount of hemp and moving away from corn. Of course, hemp can only be produced in some uh, places legally in America. Uh, and of course, a lot of areas don't have the processing uh, facilities uh, for industrial hemp. And now we have uh, uh, hopefully the farm bill coming, which might change all of that. Uh, has, has sourcing hemp been an issue for you? 
So we are currently working with a single supplier who we've been very lucky to uh, be in touch with and build a relationship with. But you're absolutely right that processing is the single largest hurdle that the U.S. hemp industry has to face moving forward. If every farmer in the country grew hemp tomorrow, of course, that would be great. However, um, unless we have a way to process that into useful materials, it won't do any of us any good. And so we are using all domestically grown hemp for our products, which we're extremely proud of. However, we are looking forward to the day when we do not have to work with a single supplier and when there's more material on the market and more people out there who are able to process it into useful materials. Well, if I had uh, the kind of money that people have to invest in uh, technologies, I'd be investing in, in uh, hemp processing uh, equipment right now. Uh, James, what is it about hemp bioplastic makes it a desirable material in your eyes? That's a great question. So from a sustainability standpoint, hemp is both rapidly renewable and regenerative. So what this means is when you compare it to other industrial crops, it requires less water uh, as well as no pesticides and it has a very rapid growth cycle. So comparing it to corn, it, hemp grows to maturity in about 12 to 14 weeks, so about 90 days versus the 120 days that it takes to grow corn. It also requires about a third of the water that corn requires. And for the regenerative aspect, uh, that means that the crop actually helps heal the environment throughout its life cycle. So hemp presents a superior carbon sequestration potential compared to other industrial crops where one metric ton of hemp sequesters about 1.5 metric tons of carbon throughout its life cycle. And it does all this while remediating, remediating the soil. So that's the sustainability aspect of hemp. The other aspect why hemp bioplastic is attractive, I think, in the United States is that we have, uh, you know, the domestic hemp industry is growing 30% per year, and it, we really believe that it has the potential to reinvigorate economically stifled agricultural communities all across the country. So, you know, we've been told that, that cannabis is a gateway to hard drugs, but it might be a gateway to economic recovery for this country. Uh, in this vein, let's let's touch on the hemp industry in general. In your mind, what are some of the opportunities and challenges that are unique to the American hemp industry uh, at this time as they relate to these subjects? Absolutely. So, you know, I think the opportunity that a lot of us are most familiar with is CBD because that's all the rage right now. Uh, however, hemp is so much more than that. And I think there's uh, there's tremendous opportunity in the realm of bioplastics. But I also think another big opportunity for hemp is building materials uh, with things like insulation and hempcrete, as well as hemp clothing. And I really hope to see over the next you know, five or so years, uh, I hope to see the hemp industry in the United States really uh, shift away from being so CBD centric and being more uh, centered around all the different possible applications of the plant. And then as we touched on a little earlier, really the largest hurdle is processing. And I think one of the reasons people are primarily growing hemp for CBD right now is that we have those processes on lock right now and the equipment used uh, 
and those processes is readily available. Uh, whereas some of these other things uh, like decorticators and other machines that are necessary to process hemp into useful materials for things like bioplastics, clothing, and building materials, that's just going to require a little more time to set up that infrastructure. Uh, but there's also, I think, tremendous opportunity in getting in on that side of the business because it is the single largest clog in the hemp supply chain, I believe. Yeah, we've done a lot of shows on CBD, and, and of course, a lot of us believe that when it comes to medicinal aspects of cannabis, that the entourage effect is kind of important, having more than just one isolated cannabinoid, uh, but hopefully CBD is kind of working to introduce the concept of cannabis uh, to mainstream America. We have a little under two minutes. Uh, why is it that your company's targeting the cannabis industry specifically? What, what gave you the idea to do this? So we started off as frustrated consumers, uh, frustrated with the amount of cannabis packaging building up in our apartments. And my business partner and I met in grad school and just decided, you know, that there had to be a better way to go about cannabis packaging. And the other opportunity that we saw in cannabis is that it's a new and emerging industry and the best practices are still being created today. So we saw an opportunity to implement a, a wider change in the industry before it got too set in its ways. And then as we were exploring what materials we should be using for cannabis packaging, that's when we really got on hemp and started learning a lot about hemp and really discovered that, you know, we believe it's, it's the perfect material for cannabis packaging. Well, I think what you're doing is spectacular. You're a pioneer, and uh, th this is just so needed. This is uh, – the other things that are needed is a break uh, to take a pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws. I'm talking to James Eichner from Sauna Packaging. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors, advertisers. Come right back for the second segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. 
The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back with James Eichner. Uh, James, what does the term circular economy mean, and how does it relate to plastics and packaging? Yeah, so simply put, a circular economy is an economic model that is both restorative and regenerative by design. And it's meant to build economic, natural, and social capital by adhering to three guiding principles. The first is designing out waste and pollution. The second is keeping products and materials in use. And the third is to try and regenerate natural systems throughout product life cycles. And it's particularly appealing to the world of packaging and the world of plastics because waste recovery is one of the largest challenges we have to face on our path towards a more circular economy. And packaging is one of the largest challenges facing waste recovery. So without getting too bogged down in statistics and stuff, I think, you know, some important ones to note are that since we began mass producing plastics, we've created over 8.3 billion metric tons of plastic and 6.3 billion of these metric tons of plastic have become waste. And of all this waste, only about 9% globally has been recycled, while 79% has ended up in our landfills and natural environment. And if we don't address this problem now, by 2050, there will be over 12 billion metric tons of plastic polluting our landfills and natural environment. So as you can see, and as you mentioned, so much of this plastic is just single-use items that become trash in less than a year. So if we want to achieve a circular economy, we're really going to have to address the way we think about and use plastic. Do you think that's is that is that happening? And we've seen some cities uh, like Seattle. We banned uh, plastic straws to be given out. Uh, yeah, plastic bags are, are being restricted or being uh, charged for with taxes and various other things. Do you see a consciousness uh, growing? I mean, you're really connected to this. I do. When we started sauna packaging two years ago. We could not have imagined uh, what a mainstream topic and center of attention that plastic has become now. Uh, it's, we think it's really great. And, you know, what's interesting about the plastic straw band is when you, when you look at the numbers, plastic straws, they only account for about, you know, a quarter of a percent of ocean plastic. So it's not a tremendously huge impact from that perspective. However, it's had a huge impact on public discourse and the way people think about plastic. So don't get me wrong. We love plastic straw bands. We, we think it's a great way to get people thinking about plastic. Uh, but we think that really the effect of the plastic straw band has, has really been to just get people thinking about plastic on, on a much more uh, larger level than they have been. And then, you know, you couple that with you know, other interesting things that have been happening, like National Geographic's Planet or Plastic campaign that ran this summer. Uh, you know, a number of things have happened in the last few years that have really made plastics the center of attention in, in the environmental world. 
And we think that's fantastic. However, there is still a tremendously long road ahead of us. If this show were television, viewers would see that I am drinking a yerba mate latte with hemp milk, of course. Uh, And the lid to the cup that I'm uh, drinking here is biodegradable plastic. Uh, But James, there are some that claim that biodegradable plastics are overhyped, that they have trouble breaking down in landfills, require a high temperature to decompose, etc. What's your take on those those greenwashing claims? Are are those any merit to that or are they kind of outdated? There is merit to these claims. However, I think the fundamental issue is really about waste recovery. And the reason for that is that our industrial composting system is currently not set up for bioplastics. Uh, However, it's something that we need to strive for as we continue to move away from petroleum-based products. And, you know, the chances that you live somewhere with access to an industrial composting facility in the United States that's able to process things like the lid of your yerba mate or a compostable to-go cup that you might get an iced coffee in is about 5%. Mm. So the issue is is that we can, we can keep innovating materials. However, unless other innovations happen that complement these materials, uh, we're not going to see the results that we need. So basically, I think we, we need to think about, we need to start thinking about waste recovery differently, and we need to start putting those systems into place to process these materials so that they can, um, you know, fulfill their potential of, of being sustainable alternatives to petroleum-based materials. And of course, you know, I, I'm here in the, the, the left coast in the Soviet of Seattle, a progressive bastion, and I work with people that are so uh, obsessed with recycling that, you know, you will get chastised for five minutes if you put something in the wrong container in our office. Um, yet, uh, China has just started refusing to take the world's uh, recyclable materials, uh, much of that plastics. Um, how much of a problem is it that that we're just running out of places for landfill in, in general? It's a huge problem, and and that's why you know we need to think of waste recovery as having three fundamental pillars. One is landfill, which is you know these are products that there's there's really just nothing to do with them, but put them in a landfill. And then the other two pillars are recycling and composting. Uh, and unless all three of these pillars are, are working, uh, we are going to just have more and more materials uh, falling by the wayside and going to the landfill, which is what happens to materials when we don't know what to do with them. So unless we have a very robust composting infrastructure and a very robust recycling infrastructure, we're going to see more and more materials going to landfills when really the goal should be to send less and less materials to landfills. And, you know, the issue with China not not taking our trash anymore, that that should be a huge wake up call to us. And, And really what it should be is a call to action to to readdress some of these uh processes and systems that we've begun to consider normal and realize that it's an ever-evolving thing and that there's always room for improvement and we should always be striving to improve our waste recovery systems. Yeah, we, we shouldn't be offshoring our waste to begin with, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's 
It's not how you do it. Absolutely. And I think there's also, you know, a bit of a fallacy out there where, where some people will believe that recycling is the end all be all and they don't realize that it, it's part of a, a larger solution and it's just one piece of a puzzle, especially when you're trying to design things for a circular economy. And recycling is absolutely important and necessary, but we also need to be, you know, we need to be designing designing for compost designing for recycling and designing for recovery in other ways as well. We only have about a minute till the next break, but how has the traditional fossil fuel-based plastics industry responded to these concerns about the impact of single-use plastics? Are they, are they digging in their heels or has the industry shown any signs of making a transition to more bio-friendly source materials? It's an interesting question and, you know, I think the the biggest thing people have to realize when they're sort of going up against the fossil fuel industry is that, you know, crude oil is the single most sophisticated supply chain on the planet. And so I don't think at this time they're terribly concerned uh, because they know that well, the biomass industry will never really be able to compete on uh, price until we have a supply chain that is comparable to theirs and, and it's very far off from that. So they're always going to have us beat on price. Um, however, I, you know, you have seen uh, companies like Coca-Cola and Starbucks and stuff like that beginning to take a stand against uh, petroleum plastics or at least acknowledging that they need to think about using more sustainable materials. So hopefully, as more of that happens, it will spur some some more change in the in the larger industry. It's time for our second break. We're here for a word from our sponsors, advertisers. We'll come back with our last questions for James Eichner from Sauna Packaging. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder. And I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. 
We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with James Eichner. James, up to 80% of all litter in our oceans is reportedly made of plastic, uh, like 8 million tons of plastic ends up in the oceans. It's estimated uh, affecting marine wildlife, fisheries, tourism, costing maybe as much as $8 billion in damage to aquatic ecosystems. Earlier this year, a plastic bag was actually found in the deepest reaches of the Mariana Trench, 36,000 feet below the surface. How critical is this issue for future generations? Are we in a plastics crisis? And also, before we go, what else is your company working on? Uh, We are absolutely in a plastics crisis, and the time to act is now. Um, And that really is the short answer to the question. We we don't have any time to spare here, and it doesn't take a lot of research to uh, figure out exactly how plastic is damaging uh, specifically our ocean, but really our entire ecosystem. And, you know, here's just some, some food for thought for people out there. Uh, you know, I dare you to go out and try and find a shellfish or something like that that doesn't contain microplastics. It, it just it doesn't exist anymore. Every oyster you eat uh, has microplastics in it, and we've already reached that point. So I don't know how it could be much more of a crisis. <laughs> and then in terms of what else we're working on, um, this ties in nicely because we're just talking about the ocean. Uh, what what we're working on besides bioplastics and hemp-based plastics is we're getting ready to launch a line of cannabis packaging made out of recycled ocean plastic, and we're very excited about that as well. Well, great. James Eichner of Sauna Packaging, found at saunapackaging.com, S-A-N-A packaging.com. I found you to be extremely genuine and not plastic at all. Thanks so much for being on Hemp Present, man. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Hempresent on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. We have adopted the most ambitious legislation against single-use plastics. It's up to us now to stay the course in the upcoming upcoming negotiations with the council. It is essential in order to protect marine environment and reduce the cost of environmental damage attributed to plastic pollution in Europe, estimated at 22 billion euros by 2030, and that is Belgian MEP Frederick Rees in a recent interview. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy, and don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, Maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.